Father, we just invite you that we might have that an awareness of your presence this morning in spite of all the stressors we may face. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever wondered about sitting down and chatting with some of the Old Testament people? Would you have some questions for them? Maybe you would just like to sit down and listen to their story. A focus of chapels this year, as you are quite aware, is journeying with Jesus. If you were to turn to Luke 24, 13 to 35, whether in your device or your paper copy, you have the basis for the chapel theme. Shortly after the resurrection, Jesus joins two disciples on their road to Emmaus. The two are walking along and talking about all that has happened. They definitely knew about the Messiah, but they had a hard time really recognizing him when he came. And they were maybe still struggling with that. Or they had thought he was the Messiah, but look what had just happened. He didn't fit their expectations. And they had a hard time with some of that. And in their grief and interactions, Jesus joins them on that road. And the two share their struggles and wonderings about Jesus and all that has happened. They're trying to figure it out. Jesus then proceeds to explain as recorded in Luke 24, 27. What? All about Moses and the prophets and all about himself in the light of that. For them, of course, that would have been the Old Testament. So what were the details of that discussion? We're not really told, but Moses is clearly specified. He is obviously a very important person in God's plan of redemption and the expected coming of Jesus Christ as Messiah. In fact, Moses is mentioned 85 times in the New Testament. Some of those references to Moses include John 1, 45 and 5, 46, where it says Jesus wrote about, I mean Moses wrote about Jesus. And in Acts 26, 23, Moses said what would happen, that the Christ would suffer and as the first to rise from the dead would proclaim light to his own people and to the Gentiles. In other words, Moses wrote about the Messiah Redeemer who would come to save people from their sins. Once again, what did Moses talk about with those two? Could it have been about how God miraculously saved Moses as a baby from death by Pharaoh? You know, I find an interesting sidelight there that the Pharaoh who was trying to kill all the baby boys ends up with a baby boy, one of those baby boys. 
as part of his family. How amazing our God is because his ultimate plan, not only for Moses and Israel, but for the coming of the Messiah would not be stopped. Not even by a pharaoh or an Egyptian army. And Jesus would be sharing that. Why? To emphasize that he was there. Probably Christ did share about Moses' encounter with the triune God, including Christ himself. I would guesstimate Jesus certainly talked about so I have to get this right here. Would certainly have talked about what happened to Moses as recorded in Exodus 3 and 4. We don't have time to read that, those passages this morning, but please take time to reread that at some point. Because Jesus possibly reminded the two disciples that Moses was taking care of sheep when God appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush that didn't burn up. Spectacular. What an invitation. In the ordinary responsibilities of life, Moses is surprised by God. God calls to Moses, and Moses' response is what? Here I am. God clarifies then that this is holy ground and he ought to take off his sandals. Then God states in verse 6 that I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God goes on to share his love for his people and his deep concern for their suffering. He then calls Moses to be his instrument in delivering Israel from Pharaoh and the Egyptians. You would think that with such awe at the burning bush, Moses would be quick to say, yes, God. But Moses primarily focuses on himself. How characteristic of our humanity and tendency to sin Instead of focusing on our all-powerful God, and we tend to fixate too often on ourselves or on some experience. Moses argues with God as he feels inadequate and even asks God to, you know, send someone else. Our tendency, too, can be to center our attention on everything else or every other option but God himself. When Moses asked how Israel would even believe God had called him to be his instrument in delivering his people, God responds, whoops, getting this back here. There we are. God responds in Exodus 3.14, I am who I am. I am has sent me. I am Yahweh. Means I am the one who is 
God is living. He is active. He was and he is and he always will be eternal. I am not only the past but the present now in this situation. In the words of Hebrews 13:8, Jesus Christ is the same what? Yesterday, today, and forever. Exodus 3.14 is the first time this description of Yahweh, I am, is actually recorded. It was a special name. I am, or Yahweh, most frequently used as the name of God. It's an intensely personal name, suggesting intimacy. As God says to Moses, he says to us, I've noticed. For me today, we can get through this, he says, I know you have a brother who passed away yesterday morning. <clears throat> he says, I know you. I know the situation of my people, of you, of me. God knows our situation today. He's the eternal, totally self-sufficient God. And yet, amazingly, he still wants us. A relational God, a covenant God who does what he says he will do. You know, the emphasis is not on the burning bush. The emphasis is on the I am. the indivisible unity of God. If you recall in John 8, 58 and 59, as Jesus is interacting with the Jews, he says, I tell you the truth. Before Abraham was born, I am. And what did the Jews do? Immediately, they picked up rocks to stone and kill him. Why? Because they knew when he said, I am, Yahweh, that he was claiming to be God. And so it is today, Ronald Youngblood says, whenever Jesus says to us afresh, I am, whenever he confronts us as he who is one with God and the way to God, we can either reach for a rock or fall at his feet. Or may I add, or like Moses, first focus on ourselves and argue. By possibly rehearsing this story of Moses, what was Jesus trying to help them understand about himself that they didn't understand? Jesus did not merely know about the story. He could say, I was there. I am God. It was a statement of divine identity. I am the Messiah, Redeemer. I am one with the Father and the Holy Spirit, and I was there. As they walked along, Jesus was sharing about himself. 
I am God. I am the Messiah. Deliverer you have been looking for, the Savior from sin. I am the revealer of God. God making himself known in Christ. Too often in this true story from history, we focus on the wonder of the burning bush and miss again the focus on the I am. Many of us prefer the obvious, right? The burning bush. Wow, we wish God would speak to us like that. Most of us will never have that kind of experience. More likely, we will have to learn what Elijah did. If you remember in 1 Corinthians 19.9, after Elijah ran for his life because of the death threats from Jezebel, God sent a powerful wind, an earthquake, and even fire. What dramatic pictures of God's power. Yet God was not in those powerful manifestations. Where was he, he says? Instead, God was in the gentle whisper. Which will be the experience of most of us in much of our life if we really dig deep into the word of God and focus on knowing the true I am. Remember that those two disciples had a divine tour guide, and yet they didn't recognize him until after their invitation to come and dwell with them. And it was only then that Jesus revealed himself to them. It was in the dwelling together that they recognized the Messiah and Lord and that he revealed himself. In the dailiness of life, in the stressors, whatever we're facing today, no matter how dark, when we invite him, he will meet us on our road. It does not mean that he will give us what we want. However, he will be with us. He will journey with us, and he will teach us more deeply about himself. You see, you can walk around this campus. You can be in your classrooms. You can be in your home or your room and not recognize that God is here. As you think of that, there can actually be some danger sometimes in settings like this. But let me digress for a moment and ask you a question. How many of you have had to download or update some software package? And you have all this stuff to read, right? And then at the bottom it says, I agree or I accept. But how many of us have just jumped to the bottom and said, I agree, I accept, and then we go on to use the programmer update? Since I'm not much of a techie and have had to ask others for help at times, 
I've even had them say to me, oh, don't worry about that stuff. Just check. I agree. Someone has suggested this as a Twitter message from God. To most Christians, the Bible is like a software license. Nobody actually reads it. They just scroll to the bottom and click, I agree, from Almighty God. You respond, oh, but I'm reading it. I'm studying it. But am I, are we, really letting it permeate and transform our lives through the power of the Spirit of God? So who are we really journeying with? How are we journeying? Some people sitting in these seats or listening online took the walk and said, I agree, but never really invited him to stay with them so they could recognize him and know him in the difficult circumstances of life. And life can get very tough sometimes. But are we really digging deep to know him? The I am. The personal, eternal God desires to journey with us and us with him in the good times and the bad and even when a brother has just passed away. Is our response merely, I agree? Or are we just using him when it's convenient or when a crisis comes? Instead of letting him change us and use us as he sees fit. Or maybe, like Moses, we say, here I am. Then do we argue with God like Moses and minimize, therefore, that he is the I am? We focus on ourselves instead of our Lord and Savior. God doesn't fit our box. The difficulty sometimes is not that we don't understand him, but what he asks we feel is too difficult or we're just plain unwilling. We're more taken up with ourselves and our limitations as Moses was for a time. Fortunately, Moses went on to travel with his God. He knew the some of the implications of that fine print. <laughs> and though he argued, he finally agreed to go. He went and he became, through the power of God, God's tour guide to a difficult, ornery, rebellious people. It was a costly journey for Moses in a tough and overwhelming leadership situation. However, he journeyed with his Lord. He became an image bearer of Christ to a difficult people. Or another response maybe for us today is we try to be our own little I am. We let our personal agendas and egos rule our lives rather than really journeying with our Lord. Blanchard and his co-authors in a leadership book speak about ego, E-G-O, which they say 
stands for edging God out or everything good on the outside. Is that true of me, of you today? Be careful that we don't get caught on this bridge to nowhere because that is a dead end. On that day in the wilderness, Moses met the divine tour guide, the I Am, in a deeper and more personal way. He heard the call to be our Lord's image bearer and tour guide, not only to sheep and his immediate family, but to the people of Israel. Finally, he answered the call to journey by faith with his God, one with Jesus the Messiah, a picture not only of deliverance from the slavery of Egypt, but in faith, a picture of the coming Messiah's death and resurrection to make possible our deliverance from sin. You know, Moses moved from a small understanding of our God to a growing depth of knowledge and journey with his Lord. How many of you have been out of the sky on a clear night and seen these pinpricks of light, the stars? They're so little because our perspective is so limited. Yet as we look closer, and more importantly, if we can get a powerful telescope, we can see so much more of the details of the, scar, of the stars and the galaxy are God's creation, a reflection of God himself. With the natural eye, we're very limited. So it is with our journey. It takes time. It takes focus and a deep understanding of his written word. Sort of. It's fine. In order for us to really understand what it is to journey with him. So what did those two disciples talk about? I believe as they talked with Moses on the road, our Lord wanted them to have such a transformational encounter with himself that they would recognize him for who he really was, God the Messiah, Deliverer, their Savior from sin, so that not only they would be changed, but that they would go and tell others. And that's what they ended up doing. So in itself today, a burning bush experience was not enough for Moses because he ended up arguing with God. A heart burning within the two disciples was not enough. Christ, the Messiah, our Savior, is waiting for our invitation to stop and dwell with him. I am not only past, but present and future. Moses left his excuses and found that journeying with God by faith his Savior and Messiah was enough. I am the one who is and will continue to be the one who is here 
active now. The same God Christ who looks after us as his people now. Our hope. In Indiana, several years ago, a small two-seater plane was flying along at about 5,000 feet in the air when suddenly the pilot slumped over. When his 52-year-old friend and pilot unexpectedly died, the 81-year-old passenger who was flying to Indiana or Indianapolis for a lunch appointment realized he knew nothing about flying and a lot less about landing. Interesting, isn't it, for you pilots here? You can bet that within the next 20 minutes, that passenger focused very carefully on the instructions that he was hearing over the radio. And another pilot nearby came alongside and coached him and gave him a crash course in flying. And most importantly, in landing. He circled the airport three times and came in, bounced a few times, and landed in a soggy field. Amazingly enough, there was no damage except for a damaged propeller. If this happened to you or me today, our number one priority and emphasis very quickly would be determined. It would not be the time to call out for our pizza or to play the latest video game, nor to casually text our friends. The only thing would be to follow the instructions of the other pilot. Land that plane and not crash. So be careful who you're traveling with and who you are listening to. Have you invited Christ to dwell with you and taken the time, even in this setting, to recognize him? How deep, really, is that invitation? Just enough so you can get on with your own agenda and avoid crashing? Who am I really walking with? The divine guide wants us to go deeper and to keep following. He calls us to a deeper intimacy, a process of growth so increasingly we're becoming image bearers of Christ the Messiah, the God-man who chose to die for our sin and be raised again so that we can know forgiveness of sin and progress in our likeness to him through the enabling power of the Holy Spirit. Are you merely surviving school? This time, sometimes that's the way we feel, right? Or, in these days, COVID? Or life? Or are you committed to loving and learning from him in much deeper ways? Is to know him and make him known only a prairie saying? Or is it the passion of my heart, of your heart, and of my life? Are we diminishing our Lord by arguing, by superficially agreeing, or trying to be our own little 
I am. By God's grace, may each one of us become the image bearers of Christ that he intends us to be and to be part of his instrument in fulfilling his purposes. That became true of Moses. Christ was there with Moses. He is here. Christ delights to journey with us, to teach us, and his deepest desire is that we journey deeply with him. So are we taking the time and developing the awareness of spending time with our Lord in all of life's circumstances? Are we moving beyond merely completing assignments or doing our devotional bit so we can say we've done it? Or are we actually learning what it is to dwell and live together with our Lord? We're all on a learning journey. However, I think we all need to ask, to what extent are we actually journeying with our Lord? Let's pray. Father, we are here this morning knowing about you, about Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah. We even know you as a divine tour guide through the working of the Holy Spirit. But forgive us, Lord, for arguing with you so often, for merely saying, I agree, or trying to be the little I am at times. We take time right now to invite you to a deeper, more intimate journey than ever before. We affirm that we will journey with you. We commit to really knowing you as never before and then to make you known to our needy world. Transform us, O oh God, to be clear image bearers of Christ the Messiah. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Messiah, the Savior from sin. Amen. Go and journey with our Lord more deeply than ever before. God bless you.